yeah, hi, hi. Willie here. Yeah. <laughs> so I was up in Leadville last week after skiing copper, and it's called Eddie Line Brewing by River Runner. It's River Runner's Pale Ale. It is fucking fabulous. This is one of the best easy-drinking <laughs> pale ales I've ever had in my entire life. Nice. It's, it's so good. It's a little expensive. Yeah. It was uh, a six-pack of um, Tall Boys, so like a six-pack of 16-ouncers, and it was like 13 bucks. No, nice. fuck that, 15 after tax. Dude, the beer is definitely better in Colorado. I feel like there's a lot of sham breweries out here. Sham breweries. Like, just like, they're just like trying to get rich. Like, they're going to get busy. They're oh, yeah. making a meager product. And I'm, well, it's, I was it's, not it's, impressed. They're cashing in on a fad. You know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's, it's an easy thing to do, yeah. especially if you have undiscerning tastes. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I'm drinking something local. Look at me. My penis Yeah, out. exactly. Wow. There's some really good breweries out here, but a lot of them that I've tried out, I'm like, nah, they're not that good. Yeah. Uh, or not even good at all. Like, There's too many ironic mustaches. Fuck you. I don't like this place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Cali is the kind of place I'd be like, I only drink micro brews. <laughs> yeah. None of that mass stuff. <laughs> well, I drink macro brews. Brews is the whole grade above you assholes. <laughs> That's what I'm into, man. And some other guy drinks meta brews. He's in the physics. <laughs> meta- I like that yeah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like I love a good craft brew. I like the story behind it. I like looking at their business model. I appreciate the flavors and profiles they're bringing in. But I'm also the guy who loves Coors Light. Coors Light's magical. Yeah. Dude, Coors Light's it's delicious, dude. It's delightful. Yeah. And Rolling Rock, dude. Jameson, you turned me on to that. I fucking love Rolling Rock. Do you remember back when we were like? <clears throat> when we you know we're both working at Verizon and living in Old Town, uh-huh. we'd go down to that liquor store and get like a thirty rack of Rolling Rock and and just pound them. <laughs> yeah, and then we just go yeah. walk around Old Town all hammered. Just yeah, dude, that was the yeah, it was the best. Do you remember hitting all the breweries and we were like shit hammered, drunk during a snowstorm and like there was like nobody there, so they're like, oh, you're here. Would you like to see all the things? Like, yeah, I would love that. That sounds fantastic. They're like, yes, come hither. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's nothing going on. You might as well get drunk. You're like, fantastic. This is that was New Belgium. Tour. That was like New Belgium at its golden age when it was tiny. Oh, dude. That, they still had that metal oh. truck outside. I don't know what the fuck that was. Like that dude, camper. We, I feel like I caught the wave and it was just a beautiful ride. And yeah. now it's just gotten so overtly corporatized oh, and very definitely. impersonal. Yeah. You talk to the local liquor stores here and they all talk so much shit about New Belgium. Yeah, so when they made that, shit. when they made that fruit beer, whatever the fuck that was, it was like a mural or something like that. I just, oh, I knew shit, they had the gone cup? over the top. Yeah, Dude, it literally, <laughs> it, it tasted like a piss sample that had been yeah. left in a Winnebago for like two days. It tasted like some junky. Yeah, purple. It's like, yeah. hey, you trying to get some mural? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, fuck you, man. It tastes like shit. It's awful. Yeah, like I like. I, that this podcast is brought to you by New Belgium. So thanks, New yeah. Belgium. You guys are wonderful. <laughs> Try the fat tire. It's exquisite. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so... Actually brought to you by Odell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Odell is fucking awesome. Yeah. Every beer they produce awesome. is a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. They're really good. Dude, they it's straight. unbelievable. <laughs> and also their food truck game is on point. They source such good, like, such good food trucks. And their yeah, patio, also top notch. Dude, it's gorgeous. Yeah. That big, big uh, natural gas firing they've got, mm-hmm. where they've got like, yeah. I don't know, maybe like 
fucking eight or nine Adirondacks around it. Super comfortable. Yeah. I yeah. Love, I love Odell's patio. And it, yeah. like you said, they got their food trucks out there. It's it's real nice. Dude, I'll tell you who's got their A game on. In the past few years, Equinox, when they doubled the size of their indoor seating capacity. Oh, yeah. And then they put all that lattice-cut, just beautiful fucking uh, vineyard-style walling on the outside. And they've got the vine growing in to, like, really make it intimate. They're doing live shows now. Like, that is a cool spot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like yeah. Equinox. And their back patio is actually pretty nice, too. Dude, I don't know if you've priced it out, but, like, if you're trying to throw a party, their kegs are super reasonable. Hmm. And I once drove out. Their Scottish Dude, about- is really good. Scottish ale is phenomenal, and their pub-style ale, so like a real easy-drinking uh, English-style pub ale, amber, uh, medium maltiness, like a real just just easy sipper, probably about maybe a 6.2 ABV, just a good, well-rounded, get-shit-done, post-fun beer. I drove a half-barrel of that shit up to a ski resort and party with my friends for like a fucking week, and I paid... Oh shit! And once I got the once I got the uh, actual shell back, and once I got my deposit back, I think I paid 150 bucks for nice. 16 gallons of beer. Yeah, <laughs> that is That's so much good. alcohol. That'll get you drunk, dude. Fun fact: If you're ever trying to crash, literally any get to, you could crash like a baby shower. Be like, I brought a keg, and they're like, <laughs> Hey, this fucking guy's here. He brought a keg. <laughs> Except for one person, one person be really pissed, and that's the person that yeah. can't drink. <laughs> yeah, but all the voices that brought presents and have to endure, you know, all the other stuff are going to be like, "Hey, the cake guys here." <laughs> it's like citing the Easter Bunny. Everybody's excited. <laughs> well, yeah. So this uh, uh, this shit, podcast man. brought to you by alcohol. So thanks, mm-hmm. alcohol. Yeah, life brought to you by alcohol. <laughs> yeah, well, I just feel like. I, I feel like fertility really took a sharp turn <laughs> upward when uh, alcohol was invented. Yeah. It's just like, hey, I mean, that, well, a lot I bet of you can are lowered. Case, yeah. yeah. I bet you can case that the population boomed when we figured out alcohol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life is terrible, but Life really yeah, sure, why not? She's kind of fat, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, this liquid bread is delicious. Sure, why yeah. not? Get in there. Why have a, have, yeah. have a blast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they do theorize that a lot of civilization was literally based around crops of fields to process alcohol. Yeah. So, like, this so. feeling is fantastic because well, yeah, life yeah. is literally one miserable slog between, you know, dark time. <laughs> when we're awake, <laughs> Jesus Christ! What's gonna yeah. take the edge off? You know that the uh, I just fist fought a saber toothed tiger. Paid the uh, their workers on the pyramids in alcohol, like mm-hmm. beer. Like they actually gave it to them as one of their staples of their diets. Damn, that's a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's calorie laden. It'll get you there. Well, yeah, and they, yeah. they gave it to them that, like at nights, essentially. Like, hey, you know, good day's work. Here's your beer. But it was also, like I said, they had it essentially as like a liquid bread. So it was also a sustenance of the calories for them too. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do. I'll supplement my diet. Like if I know, like I'm going to drink several beers tonight because, hey, guess what? I'm an American. Yeah. Fuck you. That's why. But um, I know that I'm going to drink many, many hundreds of calories of just nothing. So like, yeah, I ate protein-rich foods. I made sure to keep it lean today. I put nothing in my coffee so that, yeah, I'm going to do a calorie dump tonight. 
but I'm not just dumping it on top of like, you know, fried food and sandwiches and a bunch of unnecessary calories because I'm drinking a loaf of bread right now that makes me feel happy inside. Loaf <laughs> <laughs> of bread in a can. <laughs> yeah. Because well, like, you can see it, like the guys who are just like, oh, I have pizza and chicken wings and a pitcher of beer. And you're like, oh, oh God. God, bro. They look terrible. Yeah. Well, they're rocking that meat curtain. You know the one? Yeah. Yeah. It hides, it hides their junk. It's <laughs> like, ew. <laughs> yeah, I've heard for every 20 to 30 pounds you gain, you lose a half inch of your penis. Not forever. What? It's just oh, buried oh, yeah, yeah. in the miasma of the fumpa, which is that fatty area, like, you know, yeah, in and around. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That would suck. Being so fat that your penis just looks like a maroon shiitake mushroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor little thing. <laughs> I feel like the sorrow is escalated like exponentially worse it's not like oh i gained 20 pounds but at least i still have a penis it's like no you lost your penis your yeah. hair falls out you uh-huh. gained 20 pounds like it just gets exponential it's like a runaway greenhouse effect oh god suicides on the rise yeah <laughs> unsurprisingly <laughs> coincidentally pizza huts t- trending 400 percent profits this year <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of fat bastards just, just losing all sorts of vitality. Yeah. <sighs> Bunch of build doe trees. <laughs> He's like the quintessential sad sack. Yeah. Dude, I love we that have character Hulu. so much. We have Hulu for 99 cents for like three months, and it's been the best because they have King of the Hill, and we've just been binging on that. <laughs> Hulu, or fucking King of the Hill is a masterpiece. It is a yeah. fucking. Ma- Mike Judge is. I think one of the greatest social commentators yeah. of of our lifetime. I Everything agree. that man has touched has just been a masterpiece. I feel like the older I get, too, the more I relate to Hank Hill. I'm like, God, he's so right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like SpongeBob. Yeah. So like, first you like SpongeBob, yeah. and then you get older, and you're like, oh wait, Squid Squidward is where it's at. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Or Mr. Krabs, for that example, is just like, yeah. all right, I have a business, and I just want to make money. And they're like, yeah. yeah, obviously, man. You fucking sling burgers for a living. Yeah. Why wouldn't you have a nice house? Yeah, right. Fucking take care of yourself, bro. Yeah. But no, like, I, I love um uh, Hank Hill's uh, perpetual anger problem. And it's just like, yeah. I don't have an anger problem. I have an idiot problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, I get that. If Hulu got rid of those dumbass commercials... They would be so much better than Netflix. They do. You just have to pay would... $11 more than what you pay. Yeah, that's stupid, though. I want to pay $7. <laughs> and even Fuck if they just did that. one commercial, HBO style, just put it in the, in the front. Just front load it. Okay, I'll Dude, watch it. Whatever. I spend $25 a month, and I get all that the glorious HBO has to offer. And then oh, literally man. everything else. It is like, it's limitless. And the way I justify what it is... On HBO? What's that? What have you watched on HBO? Oh, I am, a ton of good shows. I'm GOTing it hard right now. Oh, nice. Dude, I Classic. forgot everything. I got like five seasons in and just fucking gave up last year. And I literally forgot like up and down and sideways. And so I literally started two days ago, season one, episode one. And I've set a quota for myself. Every viewing session, so not every day, but every viewing session, I have to watch two episodes. Because nice. I understand that in, I think it's March or April, yeah? April. They're coming April, out with yeah. season eight. Yep. 
I'm trying to be all caught up because I got a couple of guys in the office who are fucking diehard Game of Thrones fans. And it's so exciting. Like the storyline is <laughs> yeah. so it's so good. Yeah. And the acting is superb. And that yeah. little guy, what's his name? Uh Tyrion. They call him the imp in the show. Tyrion. Tyrion, yes, Tyrion. He's fabulous. Like he's he's by far my favorite character. Yeah. yeah. He acts it so well. I like his nuance. I like the fact that he's just he just knows exactly what it is. It's just like my, I think my favorite line just came up in it. It was I think episode two when the Tyrians actually came up there and uh, the head of the Stark household was going to be conscripted by the king who had usurped the Iron Throne a decade earlier. He was being, uh, he was going to be named as the right hand because that's what they called him. Like the guy who actually runs the the kingdom and the guy, the hand of the king and the guy who dicks around who's actually the king. It's like, ugh, bureaucratic job. I got a guy for that. Me? Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh. So they eat too much and just bang anything that's bipedal. Just get money. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that approach. Like, I kind of respect it. But um, yeah, he's just like uh, he was talking to Jon Snow, who's the bastard of um, patron Stark. Stark. Ned Stark. Yeah, Ned Stark. And he's just like, I'm an imp or a dwarf. It's like we are all bastards in the eyes of our fathers, and I'm like, ooh. He talks about wearing so, it as an armor. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That was yeah. like one of my favorite speeches of the show thus far. Yeah, it's, well, there's many more good ones yet to come, sir. I, I, I'm starting to recall more of them, but I'm just like, I don't care. I'm just going to like let them all roll over me again because I so enjoy the characters. I love the guy who plays the Hound, Yarp. Oh, yeah, that one's a classic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you guys, you, you've seen uh, uh, Hot Fuzz, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yarp. That's that guy. <laughs> well, so uh, should we get this podcast percolating? Oh, I thought we already started. Oh, I oh, thought yeah. we started too. Oh, we are. Yeah. I've been recording this... the last 15 minutes. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm mean, sure it's been rambly like, and fun, but... Get this going is, uh, with it. Comedic gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was uh, one hell of an intro, so welcome to the Owl Podcast, listeners. I'm James. Hi, everybody. Here with Willie. Willie, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm hanging in there, friend. Good. And Jerry? I'm here with Jerry as well. How's he? How are you doing, Jerry? Hanging on by a thread. Hanging on by a thread. <laughs> S- <laughs> circle in the drain, really. Yeah. It's a dark point. Wasted away again in Margarita. <laughs> <laughs> Been searching for an age for my lost sacred salt. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by alcohol and all the alcohol. So, because apparently that's what we're doing. Yep. Right now, just drinking. And a love letter <laughs> to alcohol. <laughs> and a special yes. shout out to livers thanks livers so. yeah because <laughs> way to take it on the chin yet again <laughs> well you got this yeah you get this you guys know that cartoon the awkward yeti yeah i love Mm-mm. the awkward yeti oh well you should check it out it's kind of quirky it's funny but it's like every body part if it had a personality but it's funny I like the one with the heart the other day. It's just walking all sad, sees the dog, pats it a couple of times. and then he Oh, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and just walks away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, some of the things that we talked about uh, earlier, um, we wanted to talk about the government shutdown. Uh, I know, Willie, you especially wanted to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and take it away, good friend? Well, just to shoot from the hip here. I mean, it is kind of interesting. Uh, the last, it's kind of bad to call it a record, but 
the, the highest watermark for a government shutdown, be it complete or partial, excuse me, was 21 days. And now we are at 23. So for 23 days, what, what's the head count? A few million? Several hundred thousand employees. employees. I think it's right around like 800,000, I think they said. 800,000 people have had to just either be furloughed and sit on their hands with a significant percentage of them that were deemed necessary or essential, have had to show up to work only to have roll into their bank statements a pay stub slash IOU like, hey, <laughs> when we get our shit together, we're going to give you some money at Hiramis. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm private sector is all I have to say. Like, I yeah. couldn't imagine that shit. Dude, I remember when I was in the military that, so the second longest shutdown was 2013. This yeah. was uh, kind of, I think the Tea Party led that one, but basically it was 2013 Republican Congress didn't want to fund DACA, or not DACA, um, Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I remember I was in the Air Force, and we we like we got memos, and they said, yeah, you still have to come into work. Your paycheck's going to be zero, but you still have to come in. And I mean, luckily, I was getting my housing paid for, but I can't imagine if you're a TSA agent or something like that, where your hourly is like $12, $11 an hour, and yep, you're not going to get paid anything. Yeah, I just, there is no quicker way to embitter people than to demand they do a task and not justly compensate them. I hope there's back pay involved. I'm sure there is. Is there yeah, back there pay is. involved? There is, yeah. But even then, it's like, come on, you are living, like, on a fucking thread, a scrap. Like, if you are making that, and that is your only sub, like, that's your only income, you cannot afford a missed paycheck. You can't. No, you can't. You know what I Because thought? you can't. What? Craziest. What's that crazy statistic? It's like 70% of Americans can't afford like a $500 medical bill or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, like something like that. And you have to imagine TSA agents making what $12 an hour are not going to, are going to be pretty predominant in that category, right? They're not going to have more than $700 in their paycheck. Bro, when was the last account? time you got frisked in an airport? Like, yeah. Think of the person who did that. You're just yeah, like, exactly. Uh, yeah, like they're not in a situation where they could be like, "Oh, that's fine. I'll take a few months off. I'll yeah. visit some family. I'll just, yeah, I'll just borrow from my four hundred one k or something." You know, like yeah. no, they're they're not sensible planners. Like, but yeah. Anyway, I was just gonna say, like, I got paid last week, and I noticed that the government still took taxes out. So I was like, "Oh, so you're shut down, but you're not shut down." Okay, I see. Yeah. You yeah. cunts can still take fucking money from me. Yeah. yeah, you can't even keep the lights on. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. But I think uh, inevitably with the government shutdown thing, you have to talk about why it's shut down. And uh, political so, yeah, posturing mostly. Well, yeah, but I mean, what does that mean? So I think the posturing comes from Trump's border wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so what do you guys think oh. of that? Well, I mean, it was a failed campaign promise, and he's trying to juxtapose a lot of his political affiliation to keep the 30 to 40 percent who is still loyal to him uh, onto the current uh, fiscal year expenditures. So he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this, 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 and this, and we're going to need $5.7 billion to do this. And if you don't agree with it, I'm going to keep the government in a perpetual blackout. I'm just curious why he's doing it now. 
like six seven months ago when the republicans controlled the you know the house and the senate um he had the manpower then to essentially try and get that passed it's uh, probably when the measure came due well, because it's a budget the budget's probably going to come at year's end well then why not a year ago you know what I mean? Yeah, why not pass it when he had when full he control? Had, had full the control of the House and the Senate. That's what I guess well, I'm coming to. Because I mean, from what I can gather, you're you're speaking about a man who doesn't exactly have a plan. What is he like? The Seems Joker like from just, Batman. You're yeah, like yeah. Plan. <laughs> Quite literally, he strikes me as a guy who's kind of winging it. And this was a political promise that I think he was ready to let go. But my guess is somebody indirectly called him a pussy, and now he's trying to fucking act out on it. Be like, uh huh, no. No, we're going to do this. I bet you if he got a different kind of pressure, he would have acquiesced and let off of this fucking arbitrary hill to die on. But he's losing support on this. Nobody outside of his most staunch supporters seem to give a shit. And he is essentially elongating a tantrum, <laughs> so to speak, to allow himself to really... Try to get a measure passed that he promised in his campaign. Well, let me ask you a different I question, think, Willie. So, oh. Jamo, sorry to answer. Just to answer your question real quick, I think, I think Trump is doing this now because last year when he had the control of the House and the Senate, I think. So to be as fair as I can to the Republicans and Trump, he was probably either told that it would happen in this year's budget, right? So the Senate or the Republicans told them, no, we're fine. Like, we're, let's take care of more pressing issues. You still have three years left in your term. Let's take care of these more pressing issues. Well, because at the time of the budget, if you remember correctly, Obamacare was the thing that he was trying to defund, mm -hmm. right? So that was the big thing. And he was like, no, 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 we're not going to fund. We're not going to fund Obamacare. We're going to get rid of uh, the taxes. Remember, the, the tax thing was a big thing in the budget last yeah. year. Uh, you're all going to get tax cuts. I told him was no, no. We'll take care of we'll take care of the budget this year. Next year you're going to get your wall, and you know, come midterms, Democrats kind of win the house, and now they're fucked. And and I think Trump underestimated how far the Democrats would actually take this. And the so Democrats maybe he have no reason to budge. Maybe he didn't appreciate the swing of the pendulum, so to speak, just how inflammatory yeah, he was being. And how resoundly he was, uh, but, but, uh, his party was going to be defeated. Yeah, and I think another big thing was like the the Obamacare thing because remember the he really he he advocated pretty hard on going against Obamacare. So I think that that was probably last year's thing and why he why he didn't push for the wall last year. Jameson, you had a point. No, I was going to say like I'm curious now at this point as well. Why are the Democrats essentially so anti-building this wall because under Clinton, under Bush, under Obama, they talked multiple times. And then there's Schumer that even has like a famous quote from back when he, under the uh, Obama administration, talking about putting up barriers between, um, you know, the United States and Mexico, putting up actual physical barriers like a wall. And now the minute that Trump is into office and now he's proposing this wall, they're saying, no, we don't want any type of wall. We refuse to build a wall. We don't want, you know, America to have any type of walls. But yet several different, you know, presidencies and different Congresses and Senates throughout the years have all showed support for having a wall. Now, why is it all of a sudden under Trump that they're like, no, we don't want a wall? So that's another question that I'm just kind of curious about with this as well. Well, I think... One, Trump's rhetoric 
on immigration hasn't helped. And two, I think Democrats are in a very easy position to play the minority card. So you you tie in Trump's rhetoric with, you know, Mexico's not sending their best, Mexico, whatever it is, right? Whatever he said about immigration. It's a very easy card for Democrats to play the minority card and say, you know what? Mexico is sending their best. Immigrants are important, blah, 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 whatever it is. And yeah, it's a very easy card for us to play. They can play the immigration game very strongly because Trump has said a lot of stupid things about immigration. And yeah, that's that's exactly why I think it's a very easy card for them to play. And they don't they really don't have anything to lose politically. They just they can just go against Trump. They don't want the wall. And we're I mean, regardless of what they said before. Okay, so is it that they really don't want the wall or is it that they just want to be defiant to Trump? I think if they're looking at it as an expense that's completely unnecessary, there's better technology. It's, it's, it's a lot of the same arguments that were made uh, during a lot of uh, Obama's elections where they're just saying, like, the military's not being expanded enough. Like, look at, look at the ships and vessels that people aren't voting on. I think there's technology that might serve us better than, uh, what, three to 400 miles of concrete and wall that you have to maintain constantly and have people surveying. Who's to say you couldn't run drones with with LTE fucking capacity? They can go for miles and miles at a time and spot patterns in people. I think there's cheaper ways to get it done. It'd be like I want a battleship. You're like, but there's aircraft carriers and drones and missiles and things that are much more efficient at getting the point across as to what you're trying to do. Yeah, it just seems to me like an expense. Yeah, no, it is an expense, but I think the expense is also a bit of a red herring because if you look at the Republican argument for what the wall is, it's to stop crime and to stop drugs, right? People don't yeah. want to. And if you look at if you look at how drugs get into this country, it's through port of entries and even Chapo. Yeah. Chapo's in the news a lot right now, right? submarines, planes. It's well, not dude, the necessarily... Va- yeah. The vast majority through... of it is coming over legal entry points it's easy to exactly. stash in a car and drive it over the border yeah and then even if you speak about how people are getting through it's through expired visas it's not through the freaking canyons of death valley it's expired visas that's how most people get here and so yeah i think the expense thing is is a bit of a red herring because they don't it's yeah you could be smarter about protecting the border but if we're really looking at what the concern is it's Illegal immigration through crossing the border through the desert is not really that big of a concern. Well, I mean, it's what kind of interests me is that we have a similar approach to isolationism that the Chinese had against the Mongols. Yes, building a wall was a good idea for them, but uh, that's a whole other argument. But but it's you have these natural barriers that are so like there's a lot of people that die every year trying to cross into these areas where you can just walk into the states because what are there hundreds of miles of just open desert and just like endless expanse with dry dry heat and no cover from the sun yep pretty much and you want to keep a fence to keep people from going into that like yeah you know many people are gonna die just trying to get through it like it's really hard to get through that kind of terrain so jamo what do you think or I'll bear it back. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know. But yeah, you can expand on your point. Yeah. Um, 
personally, I just feel like everything that's happening right now is a game of chess and a really, really bad game of chess. Um, Democrats are basically trying to be defiant, even you know, saying things like it's because it's going to cost too much money. They feel like it's immoral, mm-hmm. things like that. And Trump is obviously saying like, no, we need this wall because it was one of the staples of his um, of his campaign promises, things like that. And I just feel like right now it's a chess piece that neither one of the sides can budge on. And of course, all the people that are that are government employees are essentially the pawns in this chess game <clears throat> because yeah. they're the ones that are get, essentially getting punished for this bullshit that's going on. So I'm I'm like looking at it like you know it sucks that Trump is obviously sitting there saying like hey we want this wall I won't reopen the government until you guys give me this option amongst some other different things that he's listed off as well but the wall being the biggest. And yeah. the Democrats are saying, like, you could reopen the government anytime you want to because you have this option of opening the government. And there's, you know, I don't know. They're saying, like, you can open it anytime you want. But he's obviously, hold on, getting a little tongue-tied since both of you guys have left the screen here for a moment. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a matter of dying on a hill for an unnecessary purpose. It's This is something that should have... It's 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 a plank in your platform that it should have long ago been abandoned because it's not realistic, it's farcical, and it's a good way to galvanize your your basic core group of people. But it's not actually going to do anything for the reinvigoration of the people at large that you are ruling. Like well, I really the, don't see how we're gonna get any benefit from building a wall. Like I really don't. Like well, no, what what is this gonna do I'm, for us? Like, I'm, I'm not really going with the factor of the wall. The factor of the wall, I think, comes into the whole fact that the, now the people of the government that are employees of the government are essentially the pawns in this game. So what I'm saying is it's really a failure on both sides of both Trump and the Democratic Party right there because both of them, if they would just come to some kind of agreement, they would be able to open it up, you know, the government, get these people their back pay, get them back up and working, things like that. But essentially they're just both pawns in this game, and neither side at this point can budge because they've said, like, listen, the wall was my campaign promise. I promised people I was going to build the wall. I'm not going to budge until I get it. And then the Democrats are saying right now, no, we're not going to give you this wall, and we're not going to budge until you actually agree with that. So it's just going to come off whoever loses this is going to come across as weak, and they're not going to be able to essentially fulfill their promises to their respective parties. So it just, I don't know, bugs me that the fact that everybody that works for the government is essentially a pawn in this game. That's kind of where I'm going with that. I agree with that. I agree with that completely. But the original tenet remains. I don't think it's entirely necessary to have had this promise in the first place. I'm going to build it, and I'm going to have another fucking country pay for it. That's fair. Why would I? If I were the country on the other side of the fence, fuck you. There's literally a recording of one of the former Mexican presidents being like, there's no way we're going to pay for this fucking wall. Like, it's not going to happen. This orange-haired buffoon is not getting any traction. Personally, I don't care if the wall gets built or if it doesn't get built. It's just I think it's kind of right now, this is now just a major chess piece on the board for both the Democrats and the Republicans, and neither side feels like they can essentially budge on this said issue. I agree. As far as the wall is concerned, I don't think it's... It's not the worst idea. Really? So what, are you what, you... huh? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I got a grocery bag full of snacks, and uh, I'm just emptying it because I'm throwing all my beer cans in there, and the collection of beer cans is getting impressive. So you're, you're really loud. So can you move back, maybe? 
Hang on, almost done. Almost done. <laughs> there we go. All right, I'm done. Sorry, now. Jerry, as you, you were saying something. <laughs> so yeah, that... Gargle, gargle. <laughs> <laughs> Can you chew with these microphones on? <laughs> <laughs> Honey bunches of oats, right, guys? Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I don't think the wall is the worst idea. I mean, you you want something that's going to tell these people to stop coming across the border because one, it's extremely dangerous for you to cross the border illegally. You have yes. to pay foxes thousands of dollars, coyotes, sorry, thousands of dollars to get you water and get you across legally. Okay, people, stop. You're doing the dumbest shit ever. And you're risking your kids' lives too. Like, literally, these people are fucking morons. Anyway, so the wall is not the worst idea. You want to de incentivize people from crossing illegally. Just do it legally. Just, okay, your country sucks. I'm sorry. But just do it legally. It's so much safer. And so, yeah, the wall is not. It's a stupid idea, but it's. I can see why people would want to propose it. Did you ever see that uh, TV documentary on Netflix called Dope? No, no, I heard it was good, though. Yeah, so it basically talks about like the drug problems in the United States, and one of the very first things that it talks about is actually how uh, $25 billion a year um, of marijuana actually gets smuggled into the United States from Mexico, and they at first kind of go through all the different ways. Amen. Of, yeah. <laughs> they first kind of go through all the different ways. America! <laughs> of how like, these drugs are made and things like that, and then they show how it gets into the United States. And one of the interest, you know, you were right in talking about how some of it comes through reports of entries. Like, they show... You know, them taking submarines, boats, things like that from like Tijuana up to San Diego and stuff like that. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting and how they're getting it into Texas is that they hire these essentially mules and they basically will take a backpack of marijuana. It's like 30 pounds a pot and um, they'll give them, you know, a gallon of water and essentially they just have them start walking across the desert to get into the United States and they have different drop locations. And this crew is actually following one of these guys and how they get into the United States. And they do make like 15, 16 trips a week. And they have like three or four guys in each one of these little uh, mule caravans that they have going across. And they have like, you know, paths that are lined out that they found, you know, it's very limited border security. There's very limited, you know, fencing or anything like that to get into the United States. And it is an interesting documentary worth watching where you actually see how they get into the united states and then they're smuggled back from the united states into mexico it was really interesting actually to watch and if you guys ever get the chance to watch it i think it's like a six-part series but it's really good nice i've seen a, a small not the whole documentary but i, I think it was vice they did a, a documentary or a short series on that where they basically follow people that they give them like you said a gallon of water they give them a backpack and then just track them and then they pay them some meager amount measly amount well, these guys, but yeah. yeah they're making them giving them like five thousand dollars for this week long yeah mexico you know, that's pretty substantial amount of money why the anywhere. fuck like what i don't understand like if you really want to police things and do it proper why are you incentivizing a black market economic system when you could just say all right fuck you we're taking over production all of this shit is legal now. We're going to tax the living piss out of it. 
now these people aren't incentivized to endanger their lives to mule this crap in. Actually, yeah, that's demand a, for it. I, we've talked but about that's this a, before. Yeah. yeah, that's a totally counterintuitive argument. If you're going to bring down crime, if you're going to bring down smuggling, that that's the best way to do it. Yes, it is. It's, it's, you're treating symptoms in any other way. We're going to build a wall. We're going to hire more people with guns to sit on the border. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Like, just legalize what the fuck they're doing. Incentivize it. Make jobs behind it. Tax it. Put some of it into the schools. Like, build it into the economy. Yeah. So that, hey, guess what? We're collecting the money instead of actually burying it underground. People know that it's fucking ridiculous. And tobacco, and yet they still smoke and they still drink. When the Volstead Act was passed in America, alcohol in general was the fifth biggest economic producer in the United States. The fifth biggest economic producer. Number five. We're comparing that to steel production. We're comparing that to uh, lumber. We're comparing that to vehicles. We're comparing that to munitions and ammo. Or it, it, five. And you take this massively profitable thing and you say, well, I'm uncomfortable with it personally. I'm going to put it underground so that all of these other assholes can potentially profit from it because I don't like looking at it. Yeah. yeah. Fuck or I don't you. like that other people to do it. Yeah. yeah. I'll be right back. Fuck you. Like, oh, like, what are you thinking? You're talking about something that the demand has not abated in the slightest, and you're all of a sudden saying, I'm not comfortable seeing this, dealing with this, interacting with this, ergo, I don't want to just have it around. So you can't do it anymore. Well, if I'm used to waking up every day and having a cup of coffee, I'm going to wake up every day and have a cup of coffee. I wonder, it, like, it, yeah, the, the start of the whole prohibition thing, like, I wonder how bad the media was. Like, I would like to get, like, a lot of snapshots of when Richard Nixon was in, pres in his presidency and he declared that war on drugs, like, I wonder what the media was perpetuating that made so many people just on board with an entire prohibition movement. You know well, what I mean? Easy. Like, if, if, you take a if you want to take a subject and you want to demonize it, attach it to a group that is undesirable to the majority. Yeah. Hippies, minorities, whatever. Just attach it to them. Like a lot of, like literally, you can follow drug laws in America. Uh, over the early 1900s and building into the 1930s, and you can literally associate it with an ethnicity. You yeah. can say, okay, cool. Uh, we don't like opium and heroin. All right, cool. Asians, check. Don't like those yeah. fucking assholes. We don't have like. Have you ever seen that? Uh, the, I think it was William Randolph Hearst, but have you ever seen that, uh, like that old marijuana propaganda where it's like the negroes are smoking the marijuana cigarettes and, and raping the white women with their daughters yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> it's it's fucking amazing yeah. that's what i'm saying like that's all you have to do like if you want to politicize something all you have to do is focus on the vulnerable middle-aged and uh and older really and focus on something that they really really don't like and then boom all of a sudden you've got a movement that's all they had to fucking do. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was extremely true. effective. Like that that marketing campaign completely turned America against the hemp production, which was a very very profitable industry, producing a very viable product that is completely sustainable, one hundred percent renewable, and of course the or excuse me the psychotropic side of it, which is marijuana THC, buried both of those fucking crops and economies. 
by essentially lumping it in with this undesirable group fucking a very desirable group. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. I think How many tax argument. dollars? Oh. oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think there's Please. another argument we can look at too with the whole wall and say that if we made immigration or you know becoming a u.s citizen easier you probably wouldn't have such an illegal immigration problem as well 300 bucks yeah exactly you want to become a u.s citizen 300 bucks and a solid background check so we make sure that yeah. you're not you know cool anti-us get a fucking job you pay all the bullshit taxes that we have to pay I mean, income tax on top of fucking 7 to 8% of everything you spend ever in your city is gone immediately. Yeah, please, bring more people in. Yeah. Work think, the jobs. I think and I think an even simpler solution to immigration, because immigration reform is going to, it's never going to happen. But I think an even simpler solution is just free trade with, insert country here, El Salvador, for example. You just... You trade a single product, you trade on their agriculture, whatever the fuck it is that they might mm -hmm. produce, it will exponentially increase wealth. That NAFTA did this. NAFTA did this since 1995, since that free trade association was signed, and wealth in Mexico grew exponentially. And you can do the yes. same thing. It's it's cost effective. It's cheap. It's better for us as the economy. If somebody's doing it better than because, you, and they have yeah. something that is going to incentivize, that's something that you can actually sell within your own borders and they're willing to make it happen why the fuck not like yeah. i don't understand these people who have such isolationist approach to economics in different countries yet ironically you've got foxconn churning out the majority of the fucking phone market in the united states it's ridiculous like why why are you drawing this arbitrary line is it because you don't like the people that are making it is it because you don't trust them is it because you've been so politicized not to trust them that you just decide no 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 we can't have them here we have to do this and that like i don't i don't fucking understand it well i think economics is counterintuitive and especially how wealth is created is counterintuitive mm -hmm. and so it's very easy to draw on on those populist themes of you have to produce in america american products for american people things like that so it's difficult to sell the notion that yeah you're going to lose a few thousand jobs here but the economy of el salvador is going to grow exponentially and ultimately it's better for all of us right that's a that's a hard sell for people and mm -hmm. that's that's why well we live in a global economic system we have been going that way what since what world war ii like pretty much when a lot of the economies of old were completely shattered, America filled the gaps and then started outsourcing jobs. Like we have lived in a system where different areas can specialize. Labor is cheaper in other places than others. Like we, I don't know, I just, I feel to throw arbitrary roadblocks into it is counterintuitive. It slows down the, the world ecosystem as a whole. Why would you do that? I think that anything we can do to essentially help get cheaper goods here and produce more jobs everywhere across the board is only going to be beneficial to everybody. I mean, it's well, it's not, it's not necessarily beneficial to everybody. A lot of people have the, have to bear the brunt of globalization. And that sadly, I mean, that was the, 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 uh, the coal miners, that was the manufacturing jobs. That's mm -hmm. who had to bear the brunt. If, if you're going to have cheaper labor elsewhere, and it's much cheaper to just get the product here than it is to manufacture it here and pay you to get that product. 
then yeah, th those people did lose out on jobs. And, and a lot of the politics that we see now is that anxiety. But yeah, I agree. Ultimately, if it's cheaper to produce somewhere else and those people specialize in it, we can exponentially grow their economy. And it's, it's better for us. It's better for them too. And, and it decreases immigration ultimately because people don't want to move. People don't want to leave where they're from. And so, yeah, it's, it's ultimately better for everybody. Well, we all have a collective responsibility. I think in a world of communication and very fluid borders, we all have to respect one another. Um, there is a really interesting uh, historical narrative uh, based out of the 1950s, and it's on the American steel economy. Uh, basically, there were massive, massive strikes that occurred in the 1950s based in and around the production, manufacture, and distribution of steel. And Ultimately, these steel strikes resulted in better pay for American steel workers, but for the first time, the mass manufacturers of steel, uh, especially in and around the Ohio Valley, the, the actual, like, you know, steel belt, looked at the process and refinement of steel outside of America proper for the first time. And you really saw the mass exodus of true industrial jobs out of the United States. It's, it's a really like, it's an important linchpin in American history. But I think you can look back at certain key moments like that and you can see, well, okay, we have to be prepared to adapt to the fluidity of the demands of the marketplace. Like we live in a post-industrial service-based economy, largely across the majority of the United States. And a large part of that is based upon being flexible as a worker as a middle-class person and being able to adapt to the different jobs that come down the pipeline. Uh, there's a lot of destruction in a fluid economy, but in that destruction comes the, the creation of entirely different markets and jobs. So it's, I don't know. I think it's ultimately a sign of a, a, a very turn at a 90 degree angle, fast moving and hypersensitive economy to be able to see the closing of one economic stimulus and essentially say, okay, we're going to move in this direction. We're going to pick up this yeah. different job. Yeah, I think that that's a total failure of, of imagination from people. Like we, we need to be able to incentivize workers where the jobs are and they don't, they feel so loyal to a certain job. Like, yes, like coal miners or something like that. Like they just, they love coal and they love don't every fucking typecast yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it is your be... responsibility to be fluid and move within yeah. the demands of the economy. Exactly. Yeah, and the government workers out there that are all unemployed right now. That's a little, <laughs> that's a little bittersweet. <laughs> yeah. Kick them while they're down. Yeah. <laughs> so how was that paycheck? Oh. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm just yeah. enjoying sweet lady capitalism sucks. over here. I'll see you. <laughs> I mean, I really like my hearts go out to those guys because like yeah. private sector operates on an entirely different world. Like it's, it's the whims of a bunch of fucking elderly people <laughs> is keeping those people from being paid. Yeah. And they're doing viable work. They're doing good and just things that make this country run on the day to day. And yeah. it's a bunch of fucking assholes that won't agree with each other that allowed everything to run to a complete standstill for three weeks and counting mm -hmm. and, and it's fucking bullshit even going into february 
which is a full fucking month. It's crazy. Yeah. I wonder how many military people are losing their apartments right now. Yeah, a lot. Pay. Yeah, a lot. What kind of fucking asshole would you feel like if you were renting a place? I'd be like, sorry, I'm evicting you. <laughs> <laughs> I would just be like, you know what? I'm just going to take this knock on the chin. I got yeah. some extra hours. I'm just going to fucking do it. You'll catch yeah. up when you catch up. Because how bad would you look if you did that? But how good yeah. would you look if you were like, I understand the needs of this person, and because of that, <laughs> I'm just going to abstain charging them until it comes time, and then I'll get all of my money back in like three months' time. But you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's rough. I can't even imagine, man, that there's nothing ostensibly wrong with what you're doing. There's nothing broken. There's nothing bad. It's just complete indecision based on the people that we all legally elected not making a decision on something. Yeah, exactly. I don't like the way you think. It's like, well, obviously, that's why we're in politics. People elected us, and half the world hates you at the moment you get elected. It's our job to keep the things going. <laughs> it's been three weeks. Going. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Dude, I was... When I was 23 years old, I literally had like a one week period where I had no job whatsoever and I still had like a rent and stuff to pay and I was panicking. I got a job like that next week, but I can't even imagine going, like you said, 23 days without having any type of job and just being like, well, this sucks. Guess well, I'm, no, I'm talking not only that, like I can understand unemployment, but having a job. And because everything is so inherently fucked around it that the job can't even be like the the entire fucking world around you can't even exist because a bunch of fucking people just say, eh? <laughs> I don't eh? agree with you. Well, I don't agree with you. Shut it all down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to sit here like this. Yeah. You're going to sit here like that. And we're just going to let everything fucking crumble into fucking anarchy around us. <laughs> Yeah, this is fine. It's embarrassing. Burning, but this is fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But people will know that I made my point. Fuck you. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. Meanwhile, our parks are filling up with poop there. and fucking Pepsi cans. Yeah, people are knocking down Joshua trees. Yeah. As you fucking cunts are policing these lands. Uh, it's just it's it's just a fucking embarrassment. It's an yeah. embarrassment. I'm so I've been so perpetually embarrassed for the past several years. It's just embarrassing, man. Like, this is a representation of all of us, how our country is being run. Like, we all identify as American citizens, and people are watching this situation happen, and it's fucking humiliating. We can't agree with each other. It's completely polarized. People are freaking out at each other all the fucking time. We can't run the basic, basic government services that keep our national parks open that keep, I don't know. One of the big ones, uh, there's a lot of farmers right now, people that are planting next year's harvest that can't actually get the necessary oh, yeah. loans they need yeah. to plant soybean and corn and wheat or make large investments into, uh, all the, uh, necessary implements and infrastructure they need to actually harvest their crops. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a ripple effect. You no, you can't. Yeah. You can file them, and they're going to be like, well, nobody's going to see this. We'll get back to you in six to eight months. Yeah. There's like yeah. three guys and some asshole named Pete just sitting there <laughs> being like, I can't do anything. <laughs> I don't know why I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. So there is 
so much money right now that many, many hundreds of thousands, millions of families are completely dependent upon. A lot of people look at their tax returns as a necessary part of their yearly income to survive. They look at like one of the biggest stimulus packages to the American economy in the second quarter of any fiscal year are tax returns. Those tax returns are what buy couches and computers and clothing and shoes and put down payments on cars. Like it's one of the major galvanizing forces in the American economy. And you have completely fucking usurped that ability of people to invest into themselves. All because you're being a fucking unagreeable cunt about X, Y, or Z. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. What do you guys it's, think about that GoFundMe that people have been doing to build the wall? They have like twenty. That's a million genius dollars. idea. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah. Sure. Genius. Hey, man. If you can Pay crowdsource it, it yeah. go for yeah. it. Yeah. I think they're already at like $23 million or something like that. Nice. I love it. I, I really don't dismiss the notion that a border of some sort is important because it is a definitive tangible line that yeah sure if you can find it if you can fund it through alternative means then by all means go for it if you can throw on a, like a begathon and you can make it happen like npr npr is a viable resource that gives us good news good information uh it gives us like poignant segments on x y and z it allows you to dive into many different aspects but outside of government subsidies they fund it through begathons and you know what? It's a product that I like to consume, so go for it. Yeah. So, yeah, in a similar vein, if you are seeing many hundreds of miles of desolate American landscape and you're saying, hey, it's already this fucking difficult, why don't we put a 15-foot wall to start, like, just in the way of it, just to dissuade the powers to be from making it happen? Sure. Could the money be allocated in a more effective way, maybe to like, you know, push legislation against like the legalization of drugs? Sure. But if you want the money to go towards a wall, I don't think it's necessarily a bad, like a bad investment. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. If people yeah. are willing yeah. to privately fund it, why the hell not? Go yeah. for it, man. If you want to I... privately fund a statue that's 300 feet tall made of granite out of Barry Manilow... Go for it. I'd pay 10 bucks and snap photos of it. Does it mean anything to me? No. But you know what? The world's eclectic and interesting. Do what you gotta do, you know? <laughs> Whatever makes you happy at this point. Right? <laughs> Whatever tickles your pickle. Go for it. Hey, you know what? Hey. There's people that get together, dress like animals, and fuck each other. They're called furry conventions. Am I a part of that particular tribe? Yes. I'm not telling you, but you know. <laughs> Tell Hashtag that to the furry fox fan six nine six nine. I'll see you in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> see you at the annex, me and me go. But yeah, like you know, different strokes. Yeah, um, Jerry, what was that other thing you were mentioning? It was uh, AOC. So you wanted to talk about her a bit, right? Yeah, that girl. That that girl that I can never pronounce her name. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, we had we had started talking about her a little bit before yeah. we started recording. But... Oh, that, that gal who got elected into the office at 28 years of age. She's a congresswoman out of New York, yes? She's a Democratic New York. socialist. Hi. Yeah. Anyway, I don't, I don't agree with her. I don't, I think she's very populist. She has, she says a lot of things that people want to hear. And she says, we're going to get your wages up. We're going to pay for school. We're going to take care of you for your health care. 
things like that. And and when pressed for the details, she's unable to answer those important questions. So Anderson Cooper interviewed her, asked her, how do you plan on paying for this? And she gave a response. Well, nobody asked how we're going to plan on paying for the Space Force. So nobody asked how we're going to pay for the uh, DOD budget. Right. And so it's not really a specific answer. She's just giving you red herrings or, or you know, changing the goalposts, whatever fallacy you want to include here. So anyway, that's I, I don't really care for her. But with that being said, the Democrats need an infusion of energy. They need a new face. They can't have Hillary Clinton. They can't have Joe Biden. They can't have these old farts that are just centrist and not really committed to the Democratic Party. They can't have them continuing to run. And so, yeah, AOC annoying to an extent, but she's also an infusion of energy. She's also much needed in what should be a democratic socialist party. I don't think the Democrats should kid themselves and think that there's some kind of centrist party. Like, no, it should just be full on. Just go lefty. Just swing left. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, as, 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 un, as unfounded as some of her points may be and unrealistic as they, as they may be, because I, I appreciate unabashed idealism. There's a thousand assholes like me to be like, that is completely arbitrary and ridiculous. How the fuck are you going to avoid that? Like, I think it's important to have the dialogue of pure idealism because it'll take a completely disenchanted and jaded asshole like me who is pretty centrist, pretty right-leaning fiscally. It'll take a person like me and it might go, you know what, maybe, yeah, sure. Maybe we can bend on X, Y, or Z. Idealism is an important thing. To go 100% in that direction is ridiculous. But to have a person who is preaching that method and fighting for the people, I, I think is important. And like you said, it's it's invigorating. We're tired of seeing these career politician centrist assholes who are representing the Democratic Party towing a line and holding a consistent message that is com completely and utterly bland. It's fucking well, it's boring. Just, it's just, it's not even, yeah, I, I agree that it's bland, but it's also totally idiosyncratic to, like, the the coast. You have, you have New York and Silicon Valley and Los Angeles, and their message really only relates to those people. And huh. the rest of the country just feels fucked over. They're like, well, I don't know. I don't really belong to this. And then you get a populist in there like Bernie Sanders or Ocasio-Cortez. And yeah, they, they truly tend to galvanize the party. They truly galvanize people. And yeah, I totally agree. You need idealism because the centrists, the centrists don't appeal to, to necessary demographics. They don't appeal to the you know the the middle of the country Democrat that would rather so are, vote Democrat, but they don't. Are you are you implying that a lot of the pundits and bobbleheads and powers to be of that specific political affiliation are a little bit isolating in a sense that they only they only appeal to a very specific niche on maybe the yeah. far west or maybe the far east. Whereas yeah, exactly. They're, they're Jameson and I. Yeah, Jameson and I sitting in northern Colorado with our own ideals and proclivities are just like, who the fuck are these assholes? Well, did you see yeah. actually like what some of her things have 
forced some of the other Democratic like senators and uh, representatives to do. Like Elizabeth Warren recently tried to do something to appeal to the younger crowd, you know, the 20, the 30-year-olds, where she did like an Instagram video and it was live and letting people talk to her. And she looks so awkward and uncomfortable because she's old as dirt and she's sitting there with like a beer, like looking into the camera like this and just like, this is like my first beer ever. (laughs) Freaking hell. How's it going? Did you guys see see that Facebook trial? No. Oh my God. This freaking senator. So they get Mark Zuckerberg up there on the hill and he's being interviewed by a bunch of senators and a senator, I don't know if he's Republican or Democrat, but anyway, he gets his phone and he goes, are you telling me, you're telling me Facebook will tell me if I move from here to here, it's going to tell me where I'm at. If I have my phone, it's going to tell me when I'm across the room. It's just like the most obvious, like most embarrassing uh, thing ever. Well, the same thing also <laughs> Grandpa, yes, obviously. <laughs> well, the same thing happened yeah. with the governor. They were interviewing the guy from Google, and the senator holds up his iPhone, and he's all like, are you telling me that this Google device, and he's like, Senator, that's that's an iPhone. We don't make those. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I just know. Yeah. Dude, it's gotten so bad. Like, to, I just to take a brief aside. If there are kids with parents when I'm selling phones, I am selling to the kid just as hard as I'm selling to the parents because they're the ones who are going to transfer the content, teach their parents how to utilize the technology, buy them into the operating system. Because there is such a divide in understanding this day-to-day OS. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, it's it's a definitive line. Like you talk to anybody, like if you talk to your mom, you're like, mom, tell me about your phone. Like you instantly understand that you're in the conversation with an older person. Like <laughs> just like, that. like, well, you know, I, I do the Facebook on occasion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, mom, that's key. I didn't <laughs> see your message from like three days yeah. ago. Or like, oh, oh that's that FaceTime, mom. Oh, yeah. I see you. It's right there. We're having a conversation. So nice to see you. There's one time I FaceTimed my mom. Literally, that was exactly it. Like, she's answering the phone like, hello? Hello? Yeah. Mom, no, we're on. In your ear. We're doing video chat. Like, I see you. I love my mom, though. She's wonderful. Yeah. My mom's cool as shit. But anyway, like, yeah, just tied into that. You have an older Democratic Party that's just not infusing any energy into that party and you have aoc or alexander ocasio cortez who's 28 and yeah she's funny she's mm-hmm. she's young she understands technology yeah. she'll say funny things like she's just a little yeah. radical with her ideas yeah yeah 40 million dollars we'll worry about that later no big deal yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I just don't understand why everybody's first focus is like sweet Jesus on a pumpernickel. We are so in debt. We owe all the money. We're completely upside down in our investments. That was the Tea Party movement. Why are we talking about this more? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was the Tea Party movement. When Obama gets up there and says, free health care for everybody, the Tea Party movement freaks out. And that's essentially why it started. Yeah. (laughs) Like, wait, who's paying for this? uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) How are you paying for this? But it's two things. It's two things. It's 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 coverage. 
how the media is portraying you in message. Like it's, yeah. they really did not, I don't think they presented themselves in a very good way because a lot of the founding messages of, of the Green Party, or excuse me, the Tea Party, were founded upon the Koch brothers. I feel like there was a very strong disincentivized message where they started from a very pure origin and yet were completely self-serving or eh, serving somebody that was misrepresenting the points. What's that? Are you committing seppuku there? What are you doing, dude? I'm just playing with a knife. Like, <laughs> You're like I was giving it to yourself there. I've just no, I was just, I was just doing this. Like, I found a cool knife. <laughs> no, it's just a neat blade. It's like it's like perfectly like like patinaed. It's pretty. Like I've just been admiring it. That's all. I'm sorry, I'm a little drunk. I'm a little drunk, okay? I thought this was America. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wanted to play with sharp objects and firearms. I'm sorry. I thought this was America. Yeah. Hey, I'm right. like one of the most like weapons and violence liberal states in America. If I want to stare at a gun and hold a pistol and, and, yeah. and play with a knife, I can do that. It's true. I pay property taxes, goddammit. I do that well. <laughs> another uh democratic senator i'm drawing a blank um she uh she did like this dance video to try to compete with aoc because uh, aoc did like this instagram video where she's like dancing and getting all groovy and this like 60 year old senator tried to compete and did the exact uh, same thing and everyone's like uh, uh, <laughs> why would you do that but it's, it's like watching the it's like watching the first two seasons of the office it's just like why yeah <laughs> Michael just makes you so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, God. This unrelenting, unrepentant, just like, stop. <laughs> oh, just please stop. It hurts. It hurts that I know that you're doing this. Yeah. I just I just wish people just, like, I, I love, just be unabashedly genuine because people yeah. appreciate a genuine message. Be like, hey, man, I'm fucking old and I'm established. But I do know a thing or two, and here's what I have to think about it. And I respect that you young assholes really got fucked over in college because, you know, tuition rates have been rising three and a half times the national inflation rate for, like, I don't know, a generation. So you got fucked over. But, hey, I'm old and I'm successful. I'm going to help you. Oh, bang, 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 bang. Like, that. that's cool. Instead <laughs> of being like, hey. I'm a senator, and I got to say I'm going to do a rap right now. Da, 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 da. And it's like, stop! Don't do that! <laughs> Just be old, man. That's cool. Like, yeah. Nobody hates old people like that no. much. No. Yeah. <laughs> Only when they're driving. You know. yeah. yeah. You son yeah. of a bitch. This is the passing lane, and you're going 10 miles under. If my bumper was reinforced, I'd ram you off the road. <laughs> But that's the part that I just don't understand. Like, just stay in your lane. If you're trying, I don't know. Like, a lot of politics is presentation. It's 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 establishing a brand. And yeah, if you're old, be old. Just be cool about the fact that you're old. Just be like, yeah, bro, I'm old as shit. But I do know a lot. And you know what? I agree with your message. But as an old person, I can only agree from it. You know, more on a spectator standpoint. Yeah, you guys owe a lot of money. I don't. I'm doing great. Me and my three properties are kicking ass. But I'd like for you to own maybe one, potentially two properties by the time you're my age. Here's what we should do. Like, huh, 
Yeah, it's got to be a headache to be a politician because you have so many people that you have to appeal to. Well, just imagine all the ears, like all the all the yeah. vo- all voices, just in your ear, like, "Hey, man, you should wear like a Hollister polo." I'm seventy <laughs> five years old. Me and hot pink? No, this isn't Miami. I don't, you know, uh, fuck you. Like, well, bro, your shirt needs to be tighter so you can show off your sweet pecs. <laughs> Trust me, I believe you mean man boobs. Yeah, exactly. That's what you mean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If they were any larger, there would be literally suction cups attached to them, and I'd be part of a dairy farm somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> probably in Maryland. Yeah. I don't know. I just, ugh. I just, I would hate to have that many yes men in my ear that I would be so deluded to go into a dancing competition as a sixty-plus-year-old woman. For some, for some, yeah, exactly. Like for some goddamn reason, just be like, "Hey, do you want to do a dance competition?" Be like, "No," because (laughs) because I'm successful. Do you want to know what I do? I dispense information. Have you ever seen the movie Big? Yeah, I'm the gypsy in that fucking machine. Feed me a goddamn quarter, and I'll tell you what your life's gonna be like. (laughs) Boom, that's what I'm about. I got a macchiato in one hand and a judgmental pointer in the other. Fuck, you should do this. Yeah, You want to know why? Because for the last three electoral seasons, my ass is sitting right here. And yeah, you guys believe in me. The majority of the public thinks I know what's going on. So hi, (laughs) I'm a professional. I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to speak to you like you're in a goddamn adult. (sighs) Yeah, man. Good tangent, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate you guys going along on the journey. <laughs> Jerry, I like how you're just taking shots like you're a disgruntled fucking middle-aged dad who's divorced. <laughs> God, the mill's gonna close soon. <sighs> what are you drinking, Jerry? Tequila. Tequila. Yeah. I was on a, I yeah, I was on an Espolone kick. Ooh, Espelon is good. Yeah. I don't do tequila anymore, unfortunately. It's uh, it's fucked me up one too many times in my day. Ah. Jerry actually won me over on tequila. Yeah. I, I remember that. Like, I was like, I don't do tequila. It's like, if we're going to be friends, you're going to drink tequila. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I guess Jerry okay. and I are friends. So. <laughs> it was good while it lasted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, Casamingos Reposado is probably one of the best shipping tequilas I've ever had. Yeah, so, you know, that's usually when it comes to tequila, I've only ever really had like Jose Cuvero or something like that because it's usually like somebody getting me just bombed off tequila. So maybe nah, I should man. try like a good sipping tequila. Yes. Yeah. Espelon is really good. That one's probably my go to. Yeah. How much is it usually? If you like? find it. Uh, for like a darker one, the Anejo, like the. If you're going to sip it, it's uh, probably like 24, 25. Oh, that's not bad. No. Very doable. I don't know, man. The weather is cold. I want whiskey. Yeah. Summertime yeah, is tequila for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always down for a good sip of whiskey. Dude, Costco's fucking bourbon is tremendous. It's tremendous. It. It's yeah, we just so had that good. for years. Yeah. How freaking good is that tequila? The, that the Kirkland? Bourbon? Yeah. Yes. The Kirkland bourbon. Kirkland, it's yeah. good. Yeah. It's really good, actually. Yeah, I, I feel like I want to like over enunciate it. Like it's, ooh, yes, I've been drinking a Kirkland. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fine Kirkland bourbon. 
No, my dad drinks Kirkland. It is good. Yeah. Dude, that with a bit of lemon, you throw it on the rocks. It's yeah. delicious. Hmm. Is this only like what, like forty bucks for like a big bottle of it too, right? No, twenty eight dollars. For like a big bottle or like a regular size? For a gigondo fucking bottle. Huh. Yeah. I'm balling a budget, bro. Yeah. 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 I don't care how cheap you are. You're just like, how many three what ounces am I getting? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take three. <laughs> End results the same. That's what I'm That's for. Bulk retailers always fucking win me over. When they're just like, wait, hang on a second. Two pounds of whole bean coffee for $7.48? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sold. I'll take, fi- I'll take 15 bags, please. <laughs> Everyone I know is getting coffee. That just taps into my, my cheap-ass sense of savings. Like, it, it could be anything. It could be olive oil, it could be napkins, toilet paper, paper towels, eggs. doesn't matter. They're just like, but you're going to get this many. Like, sure, 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 the upfront cost. Ouch, not fun. But do you want 957 eggs? Hmm? <laughs> $22? Well, I guess I could eat nothing but omelets for the next month. Exactly, that's the spirit. <laughs> well, well, okay, here's my money. Was <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs> there anything else fun. you guys wanted to touch upon? Well, I'd like to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I have some literature that I'd like to pontificate upon as I stand in front of your doors. You're in your undies on a Sunday at 10 a.m. <laughs> Do you mind if I come in? I'd like to sit on the couch and talk about Jesus. Who is our Lord and Savior, by the way? Actually, I had a friend growing up. He passed away a few years ago, but he was a super smart, super witty guy, and these Mormons came to his door. We were 14 at the time, and he answers the door, and we were the only two at his house at this time. And they're literally trying to like ask him, like, you know, have you heard the good word? You know, And they're asking, like, do you know who rules the world? He's all, yeah, capitalism rules the world. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, they got to you early. Yeah. <laughs> they're like trying to convince him it's Jesus. He's like, no, no, I'm pretty sure it's capitalism. Yep. They have like a debate for like the next hour yeah. about I don't it. Think, I don't think I see Nazareth on my flannel. I think I see Nike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, uh, it, was, sh- it was fun. I was just sitting back there, and like I said, I was pretty sure it was like Mormons or whatever that came to the front door, so he was just having his his grand old time with him and it was quite the entertainment just uh, uh. Yeah, we've, we've got a tribe of jehovah's witnesses down over the hill and uh i'm never rude when somebody comes and knocks on my door and they're just like hey have i got some shit to tell you and you're like hey family guys on pause and you need to wrap this shit up because I got a pot of coffee brewing and an animated character to distract me from my life. So I already drank a couple of cups. So things are a brewing. If you get my mix yeah. here. So I just don't like it when people like shoehorn you. They're just like, Hey, just real quick. But all of a sudden Jesus, like, stop. I don't care. Like I didn't care. From like the first syllable, and now you're on the 827th syllable. <laughs> ah, like, stop. Because, man, you are a runaway train in the mountains, downhill. And you know what? I'm that stick of dynamite. I'm going to derail you. It's going to happen. 
stop. Like, you see that line over there? That's called, <laughs> that's called a property line. You go on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh-huh. It's called personal space. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to have some. Uh, yeah, I get it. He's a good guy. He likes sandals and great. looks great in linens. His hair is very, very flowing and long. And I hear he's great to bring to a party because he turns water into wine. It's yeah, you know, I understand that, you know, you guys were running short on food and somebody bought but a crust of bread, another person brought, but but a single herring, and all of a sudden you had a nice lunch. That's great. He catered. Like, I respect <laughs> that. He's a great guy, and he does it on a budget, too. Always, always satisfies, no matter the cost. But there's other stories I want to hear. NPR is literally on the radio right now, and they're talking about a small migrant family that specialized in beet farming in the 1930s. I want to hear about that. I want to hear about the shrews. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. So, yes, all of that. Sounds great. Well, that's well, all I, I was thinking about, but uh, unless you guys wanted to chat about anything else. Oh, I got it. it was great seeing you yeah. guys. Yeah, it was nice seeing you. It was nice seeing that my camera wasn't broken. It's also nice knowing that you know, your your voice wasn't like losing every third word. Yeah. yeah. You speak complete sentences, Jerry. That's very exciting. Yeah. Me fail English. <laughs> <It's> like how <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to get a little stony baloney and I'm going to watch some fucking King of the Hill. Oh, dude. Yeah, that's the best. Dude, it's a fucking masterpiece. Like, I yeah. really, like... Like, if I was going to, like, throw a proper dinner party and, like, you can invite anybody, invite him. him and the creators of Southwark could be at the top of the yeah. list. I just watched an episode where they did a bachelor party and Hank Hill had a decibel meter <laughs> he's like well <laughs> we're getting a little too crazy i'll tell you yeah. what <laughs> i love the one where he's talking to peggy and peggy's talking about how like she wants to have a bunch of different kids but she's referring to his student or her students and how like she mothers them and he's like peggy you know i can't give you more kids on the count of my narrow urethra <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, it sounds like a bunch of jerk-offs whacking off in my tool shed. <laughs> I don't want to pump him full of goothafol. <laughs> yeah. He's just, his one-liners were the best. Like, yeah. they're so fucking good. I think my but favorite... I'm kicking you out, out of my refrigerator. <laughs> I think my favorite one is when he's like, Bobby, do you know how to stop a man, or start a man's heart with a down power line? No, Dad. Well, there's really not a wrong way to do it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh shit, I just man! Love King of the Hill. What a great show! It's just it's 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 literally just an endless fucking line of one-liners. Yeah, I'm just like that was a good one. That was he a good gets one. His first cell phone, and he's trying to get some guy to call Peggy. He's like, "Here, use this. It's like a bat phone. It'll get you right to her." <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, man! So, Jerry, is there anything we have to, like, start doing for the wedding things? Yeah. Because Willie and I are actually working down the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> no. We're not really going to do a rehearsal dinner. I'm thinking of where to do a bachelor party. I'm going to be go... beautiful for you. 
I kind of want to go camping somewhere for a bachelor party. Yeah? Yeah, I'd be down Let's with do that. that. Do you want to go to the National Forest? Oh, hey That'd be well, you fun. Gotta, you got to bank on the fact that the actual government will be operating by then and that yeah. the will be open. So. Don't count your respective government chickens before they've hatched. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a really good idea. Would you guys be down to do some boomers? Mm. Some what? Boomers. boomers. What the heck's boomers? Mushrooms. Oh, yeah. Maybe we can... Oh, ooh, can we get weird on the beach and down to Mexico? Oh, yeah. Do some shrooms down there. Yeah, like maybe go like do a camp out there and then maybe just uh, get up early and do some fishing. and uh, yes, That'd be fun. Mexico. God's blind eye. That's great. But yeah. No, nothing for the wedding. But we'll f- I'll let you guys know what right. what I'm planning. Just, just give me plenty of heads up because I really, I'm really excited, man. I'm just happy <laughs> that you're making a proper woman of her. Yeah, <laughs> that's your cousin. Just, well, it's just an excuse to have a good party. Like you guys are married. Yeah. Period. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, like you guys are paired off. You're happy. You're married. You're good. But yeah. to actually, like you know. Hey, we're we're gonna make it celebratory and throw a party on it. I think that's yeah. worth having fun over. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm very pumped, and I miss you guys. Like ever since you moved, like you know, I only really talk to you or see you during these. So yeah, yeah. So yes, yep. I'm I'm excited. No, yeah, same here. Yeah. Plus, now with uh, oh. Willie about ready to have a baby, we're gonna see him a little. Hey-o. Not necessarily. Or more. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I'm going to have like way more time off. Like, It'll be more Might give me a time. reason to visit you. Yeah. <laughs> I am really excited, though, dude. Like, I'm yeah. just curious to see what my babies are going to look like. Hopefully like Sarah. Probably tall. Yeah. Yeah, probably going to be really <laughs> fucking tall. Sarah's 5'11 and a half. I'm 6'1". Her dad literally was the grow- like Jolly Green Giant. Like that was his cameo appearance. <laughs> you see him <laughs> on the cans of green beans, yes. <laughs> yeah, I just have a feeling those kids are gonna pop out with battle axes and they're just like Britain, right? We destroy it. Like no, 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 no. You're a few centuries off. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. We'll edit out the part of you having babies just out of the podcast here, so the world doesn't need to know yet. Unless, oh. you're, unless you're wanting people to know. Well, I'm not like Kardashian or anything. Oh, okay. People are like, "Oh my God, what fashion line can we possibly develop around this fucking asshole?" <laughs> yeah. Are you wearing pants, Willie? No. <laughs> I thought I just saw some sweet leg action right there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. What's going on? Mm. <laughs> What's kind of nice is the camera is bust up. Yeah. It's like a news anchor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not wearing <laughs> I refuse to wear pants. In fact, I do my best, my best fucking news editorials. That's <laughs> <laughs> the arsonist had oddly shaped feet. <laughs> All right, guys. All righty. Well, this was fun. I had a good time. Fun. Me too. Miss your faces. 
Yes? Yes. Well, I live down the street from you, so just give me a call. Who are you? <laughs> Bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. All right. <clears throat> Later. Later. Peace. And thanks for being offended with us. Oh, uh, before I uh, wrap up here, <clears throat> just uh, some last house cleaning items. You can find us at Twitter, which is on or at owl underscore podcast. And then you can always email us, which is theowlpodcast at gmail.com. And our website is theowlpodcast.fireside.fm. Once again, thanks for being offended with us. <laughs>